First Chronicles chapter 16. The Bible said, seek the Lord and his strength. I don't need an answer or response from you unless you just want to. But how many of us every day that we live feel like we are seeking the Lord? Seek the Lord and his strength. Seek his face continually so that you're not too distracted this year, this service today. I'm going to be talking about some of the things that we experienced in 23, and Sister Dakota is going to wash the background with a bunch of pictures of speakers and events, etc. So hopefully it won't be too distracting to you. Seek the Lord, seek his strength, seek him continually. Verse number 12, and the Bible said, remember his marvelous works that he hath done, his wonders and the judgments of his mouth. Let's all read that verse together. Remember his marvelous works that he hath done, his wonders and the judgments of his mouth. I'm going to talk this morning from this title, Farewell 23, God's Been Good. God's been good. God has been good. When I think of the goodness of Jesus and all that he's done for me, my soul cries out, hallelujah. Thank God for saving me. You might be thinking right away, oh, pastor, wasn't that too good of a year for me? Well, let's talk about some of that this morning. God, we thank you. Thank you for what you're doing, what you've done, what you've, how you brought us out, your word, and the importance of it in our life today. Speak, God, through this scripture, through this message to souls. Help us to be stronger and not weaker, overcomers and not overcome. God will give you praise for it, God, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen and amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Farewell 23. God's been good. Say that with me. Farewell, 23. God's been good. Now, the book of Deuteronomy, the fifth book of your Old Testament, is known theologically as the book of remembrance. It's not known that, known that uh, randomly, but specifically and distinctly. A reminder, a recollection things that God had done for them, Israel, in bringing them out of Egypt and to the verge of entering the promised land. So Moses sits down in a nutshell in the book of Deuteronomy at 120 years of age and begins telling or reliving these memories to the new generation of Jews that had survived the 40 years of wandering in the wilderness. He starts reminding them about what happened last month, last year, last decade, 20 years ago, 30 years ago. And he writes this book of recollections. That's why you read Deuteronomy and you'll see something and you go, I read that back in Exodus. I read that back in Leviticus. That's because the book is designed to remind the people of God how faithful God has been through their trials, through their troubles, through their problems. 
Do you know today that occasionally we need to be reminded that God has been good even though we've been going through a lot of stuff in our life? And now the task that lay before Moses and the people of God was to possess the promised land. They stood on the verge. The next job at hand was to possess it. So why would Moses think it important before we take on another task so daunting to remind us of what God has done in the past? I'm asking you that question. Why is it important to remember the good things of God yesterday before we claim the promises of God for tomorrow? Why do we need to be reminded? Someone said, I don't need to know. The past is history, and I don't even want to think about it. That's not right. That's not correct. We need to recollect with great regularity the power of God that has been a part of our life and brought us through again and again and again. You wouldn't be sitting here if it weren't for the power of God delivering you through marriage problems, health problems, spiritual issues, money problems. But the truth of the matter is this. You and I can never become what God wants us to be. What God has already designed for us to become. We'll never achieve that if we have forgotten what God has done for us up until this day. I thought bygones should be bygones, Pastor Herring. There's some things you just need to keep in memory. Things that remind me not to go down that road again. I know how, where it got me last time, and I remember it desperately. I'm not doing that anymore with you. I'm not going there with you anymore because when I did that before, I ended up in trouble. Thank God he rescued me, but it was painful. It was painful. Now, in lieu of the fact that in the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 34, verse 5, it records Moses' death. We know that more hands than Moses were involved in the writing of the book of remembrance. Someone else stepped up to the plate and picked up the mantle of the man of God that died. He didn't enter the promised land. He saw it. I love these people that paint pictures of the Lord being, you know, a Santa Claus type. Anything we want. God wants to make me feel good all the time. In lieu of the fact that he records his own death, somebody steps up. Somebody stepped up and said, this message is so important, it can't die with Moses' vision. I've got to be the one that steps up and reminds people, don't fail to remember what God has done for you. And so, when you go to our text today of 1 Chronicles 16, that's David talking. David is pleading with people of God. Don't forget what God has done for you. 
The message of recollection should not die with the ha- in the hands of one man, Moses. But somebody should take up the mantle and say, I'll remind the church. I'll remind the brothers. I'll remind the families. I'll remind the sisters. You know what happens when we forget what God has done for us? We go back down the same rabbit holes of trouble and mistakes and problems. Hallelujah. If I have forgotten the delivering hand of God, the healing hand of the Lord, the the powerful hand of God working in my life, then God only knows where I will end up. But I want to show you something in the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 6, verse 12. When Paul, when Moses said, beware, beware, lest You forget the Lord. Do you know that in all the Old Testament, over 23,900 verses, the word beware or the warning attached to beware is only used five times in the Old Testament. Five times. And in this particular instance, Moses warns the followers of God. Beware. You don't use beware you know, in something as cheap as a, the outcome of a sporting event. You don't use the word beware when someone's, you know, eating too much or whatever. Beware is a dangerous threat. It's supposed to rock us down to the very core of our being. When a man of God like Moses said, beware, there's danger in forgetting the Lord. Nothing but backsliding and negative conditions of life can occur if I forget the Lord. Sure is exciting to be home today. Praise the Lord. Someone's got to continue it, so David steps up. And as I said, he begins this plea. He begins this drawing and pushing upon and pulling from. The people of God to not forget what he has done. Once in a while I want to remind you. Every once in a while you need to remind me. That God. The God that you and I serve. Is 100% reliable. He never falls. He never fails. He never forgets. He never changes his mind. He never forgets about your promise to him or his promise to He is 100% reliable. I'm reminding somebody today. You feel dry and disconnected, but God is still reliable. You feel cold and indifferent, but God is still reliable. In fact, he's so reliable That the psalmist said in 27 and 10, when my father and my mother forsake me, then the Lord will take me up. That's Psalm 27, 10. Hallelujah. Put that in King James. Thank you so much. Mom and dad aren't going to forsake you. How reliable is God goes far beyond that. Now, let's get personal. When I stopped long enough to just collect a list of things that PPC 
and its members, many of you here today and many of you not here today, PPC members have been through, let's just say in the last 36 months since COVID. I was teaching on a Wednesday night right there, and one of the members of the church walked up. It was right after preaching or right before one of the two. And said, did you hear about the sporting events canceling their whole season today? I said, don't know what you're talking about. And it was the NBA canceled the season because of COVID. I mean, I'm not telling you anything you don't know about already, but the world has gone completely bankrupt, silly, crazy, ridiculous, And when I think about what just this congregation of people have been through, I don't know everything you've been through, and I, I know I won't, but just a few things I do know. From COVID to several people still currently in this moment dealing with that word, that six-letter word that's been a death sentence to millions of people, cancer. No, it's nothing new. But in the middle of all of this challenge that we have been dealt in life, in church, out of the church, on, on your job, in your pocketbook, in your health, we can either succumb to all the, oh no, what if? A lot of people doing that. I've seen people in this congregation, people that you love, people that I love, live out, exemplify 2 Samuel 3 verse 1, when it said David was getting stronger at the very same time Saul was getting weaker. I've seen good, godly, faithful members grow weaker, more tired, more distant, more cold. Blame God, blame health, blame finances, blame family. And if that wasn't enough to be discouraging, I don't know what would be. But at the same time, I've seen people rise up. That brother right there behind my brother, behind my physical brother, Text me while I was out hunting this year. I know you probably don't want to, something like this. You may not want to talk shop on your day off. But when you get time, can we talk? And we met at Red Robin. An hour later, a Bible study went on. And we baptized him in the name of Jesus. Received the Holy Ghost. I saw. Brother, if I'd only show you my phone that day. I mean right in line behind or before your text was somebody, I just don't get it anymore. I can't overcome my despair. I can't overcome my discouragement. I'm not poking fun. I get it. But that's just the way God is. He's like, don't get too caught up in all that negativity because I've got work to do over here. Somebody, somebody's going to rise up. Somebody's going to come to life. Somebody's going to get a prayer life. I've seen people fall, some people rise. Let me just give you this today in case you care. 
Matthew 24, verse 12. Jesus said, because iniquity shall abound, the love of many will wax cold. I don't play the blame game anymore. If I made a mistake in handling you, I'll apologize. I've done that so many times. But when people are just looking to blame somebody while they're hiding their sin, I just don't get it. It just doesn't fire me up anymore, Pastor. When there's sin in our life, routine sin, that we not only welcome, but we invite it, it's no wonder you can't raise your hands anymore in worship. That's not, that's not some revelatory information. It's hard to worship God when you got your mind on your lust and your greed and your unforgiveness and your hatred and your hostility. Boy, it sounds negative today, doesn't it? It's not. But when I think about some of the struggles we've been through, I just wrote these, these adjectives down on the plane a couple weeks ago. I mean, like perplexing, scratch my head. You were just happy last week, and now you're quitting. Confusing to a shepherd. You don't care, maybe, but I, I care. Bewildering, no answers, uncharted territory, exhausting emotionally to me. But the devil is a liar. The devil is a liar. The devil is a liar. Because through all of this, there's been revelatory, powerful, amazing, fantastic, encouraging, revival, and people. People that have thrown their blame game in the garbage and they're at the altar seeking God's will for their life afresh and anew. People like that man in the black suit in the front row. I just can't make it, Pastor Herring. I can't get over how angry I am with you. And about that time, I get a text from this brother over here. Let's have church today. I know it's Thursday, but let's have church anyway. Let's have revival. Let's go knock some doors. Let's have a prayer meeting. Let's go on a fast together. I offer you this, adv this advice in love, not in, not in judgment, but in love. If you're having a, a, a problem, a struggle in overcoming anger or overcoming forgiving people, you know, the, the need to forgive people, whatever it is you're dealing with, Look real hard in the mirror, all right? Look real long and hard in the mirror. And I tell you the God-honest truth. I hope that's an acceptable term to you, Lord. But I tell you the truth from the bottom of my heart with God knowing what I'm saying. At the risk of sounding off keel even a little bit. In the middle of all of this, what next and what if and how do I respond? Do I chase them? Do I leave them? My prayer life has found new depths and new heights. I don't need your attaboy. I'm not looking for nothing. I'm just telling you. My prayer life has gone to great places that it's never been. 
the, my, my understanding of Scripture has gone places I never knew it would go. I'm just trying to tell you, 2023, God's been good. God has been good. I've discovered who my real friends are. I'll tell you that, in and out of the church. I don't mean that as a shot at anybody. I'm just, it is what it is, all right? No, I'm not looking for attention seekers, but I've discovered people that are really there for you and those that are just offering lip service. Funny thing about life, though, every day, every week, every month, every year, costly. We lose things. It's called life. We lose vision and ambition and drive and energy and thought patterns. It's called life. But at the same time, what the devil doesn't want us to know is that every day, every week, every month, every year brings rewards of growth as well. Spiritual growth, emotional growth, well-being growth. And life gives every one of us lessons we cannot avoid. It's best just to grow from the lessons rather than start blaming everybody else. Well, life's not fair. Well, when did you come to that revelation? Never has been. Moses was kept out of the promised land for one mistake. I mean, there were a group of things, but the one thing that finally got God's attention was just him losing his temper again. God said, I'm going to take you to the brim, to the brink, to the brim, to the ridge, to the edge, and I'll show you what beauty I have waiting. You just take the moment and remind the people of God that are going in what I've done to get them to this place in life. But you're not going. <laughs> now, for me at least, it's normal. It's, it's just automatic. It's organic for me to look back in the near past, the distant past, and and have remorse, wishing I'd handled things this way or that way. Am I alone in that? Thinking of my conversation with you, brother, or my conversation with someone over there. And, and I, I get alone and I start thinking, man, I should have been more gentle in that response. I should have done this or I should have been more straightforward. And that, that lamenting of mistakes can haunt us if we aren't careful. No one's perfect. Nobody lives life with 2020 foresight. We don't know what tomorrow holds. But hindsight's pretty good, isn't it? And I've lived, like many of you have, too long in regret and remorse of things that I want to fix but I can't fix. And I've just come to tell somebody today that's the wrong thing we should be thinking about concerning the past. God got you out of that. God redeemed you from that. God pulled you out of that. God liberated you from that addiction. 
God got you out of that out of that bad job situation. God gave you a raise on that job and helped you through the financial issue of that life. Instead of saying, I wish I'd have handled it different, maybe I wouldn't have got canned on the job. Maybe God did you a favor. After all, Romans 8.28 says, All things, my blunders, my mistakes, my wrong reactions, work together for good. Hallelujah. It comforts me in the middle of all of my torment to know that through it all, God was driving the big picture in life. Driving the big picture. I feel like at times I mess God's will up because of my wrong reactions or wrong whatever actions. But God's driving this thing. It's bigger than you and I. I'm of the sort. Maybe you handle things differently. Nothing wrong with that. Everybody processes life differently. But in the middle of chaotic family stuff, I just stood up and made a statement recently. You, know, you can do what you want to do. But wrong is wrong. And that kid needs to be told. Teaching points should not be avoided. They should be taken advantage of. Now, I know it probably doesn't make sense to you. It doesn't make sense to you because you're not going to know the, the content of the context of the matter. But God doesn't coddle us. It's this new generation. It's been out for all our life, I guess, but it's getting more, more crazy, crazier. God is a God of love and mercy and compassion, and we all thank the Lord that he is. But God's word, God's word doesn't have a category for those of us who were raised to whine and get our way. Hallelujah. God gives his word. God tells people to remind me of his word. And the outcome, I told the church in Frisco last week. You can do anything you want to do. God gives you the liberty to make any choice you want. Be as evil as you want. Be as righteous as you want. What God doesn't give you is a choice of the outcome. My actions determine the outcome. But while I'm dealing with that own remorse internally, Paul the Apostle said in 2 Corinthians 7 verse 10, Godly sorrow brings repentance. So if I sorrow in a sense that is in the vein of thought of my walk with God, it's going to bring about good. When I think about how merciful God has been, Brother Mallory, against, stacked up against the junk of life that I've had to deal with, The goodness of God is so superior 
It's so much better. It's so much greater. Well, I don't have it that good, Pastor Harry. You know, you might want to look long in the mirror. You might want to look long in the mirror. Brother Trace, I know you'd appreciate this, but sitting, um, my son's or auditorium is different than this. Um, so it's very shallow this way, but it's a little wide. And so when you're preaching in the pulpit, maybe about where Brother Mike is there, there's this, there's this guy that he talked about him on his Time to Grow lesson the other night. He's, in, he's right there sitting by Sister Janae and the kids. He's about my height, Hispanic brother. And um, he is, I mean, and I mean, he's got like, must have 52-inch chest and arms bigger than my thighs. And he is so excited about God. He, he got out of a horrible prison experience. And I mean, to hear him tell it makes me cringe. But he's in that front row talking in tongues and hands in the air, on fire for God. <laughs> and he's only been in the church a couple, maybe, I don't know, six weeks or whatever it is. But whenever my son, Pastor Josh Herring, is talking to people, that brother's right there, man. I mean, if you're going to bend his ear in a negative way, there's going to be a very intimidating presence standing by Pastor Herring there. And I told him the other night, I was praying with him, and he came over and thanked me for praying with him. And he said, I, I just can't even begin to tell you how much I owe. He pointed at my son and said, and the message he brought. He said, I never heard this. He said, I never felt so much love in my life. He, started, he, started, he shared this prison experience that, that would make our ears burn. And he said, I've never felt so free in my life, in my life, in my life. And I told that brother, I said, don't ever lose what you're feeling right now. I said, I said, the only difference between you and that brother sitting over there bored to tears is he's forgotten what God has done for him in life. Stir it up. Stir it up. So the book of Deuteronomy is this farewell message or swan song of Moses. He's been told by God he's not going in. But he's got to remind the people of God of how important their journey to get to this point was. It was his cause or his calling to tell the people of God, don't milk the wounds of the past. Don't hang on to bitterness and and. As the brother shared the other night, he had every reason to be bitter. But you couldn't see it on his countenance. Whom the Son has set free? Free indeed. When you get this Holy Ghost experience like all of you, most of you have today, you should never forget how it was before you got it. Don't ever let your flesh get so lazy. So un or so comfortable in life that you forget what it was like the night you received the precious gift of the Holy Ghost. And by the way, 4326 of Isaiah, here we go, sis. Said, God said, put me in remembrance. 
God said, I want you to remind me. God hasn't forgotten. But he said, I want to be so involved in your recollection that it's as new today as it was then. Let's plead together. And 2023, just leave that screen right there for me for a moment, please. 2023. Amazing how uh, when someone goes through something like cancer, and I, I say these words respectfully, a handful of you here today that have come through that, some of you that aren't here, but th that network begins to work. And my wife will show me texts that come to her from some of you in the same boat or people that she met in the hospital receiving treatment. And I just sit and go, if it weren't for the Lord, Brother Tostin, if it weren't for God, people aren't, aren't wired to handle such large, life-changing, life-altering events. If it weren't for God, this may not mean anything to all, to most of you, unless you've been where Sister Herring is about a year ago. She had no hair on her head, no eyebrows, no eyelashes. And you think, oh, big girl, she's alive. You Pentecostal ladies should be supporting me right now. There it is, there it is a big deal. And one year ago, just last week, one year ago, we were we were remembering. That, that dark cloud. <laughs> 27 water baptisms in 2023 in this church. <laughs> 11 confirmed and might maybe more, but 11 confirmed infillings of the baptism of the Holy Ghost in 2023. I haven't watched every picture, but we have had so many speakers from Pastors Glover, Blackshear, Bradbury, Pastor Josh Herring. Uh, we had Brother Mullock, and we had Brother Lamas. We had Brother Churchill. We have had events. We have had gatherings. We cleaned the highway together. The elders beat the young punks in wiffle ball on Father's Day. We had a fantastic time at potlucks and harvest parties and church cleanings and all the things that keep a body busy. And we're going to do the same again in 2024 as God allows. But let me say this, good things are going to happen. I believe it. That is not hype. That is not hype. That is revelation. I don't care if you believe me or not. I'm not trying to get you on my side. That is fact right there. Good things are going to happen in 2024. Oh! I'm telling you. Farewell, 23. 
2024 is coming in with the power of prayer. And prayer is going to change things. And prayer is going to work. And people's lives are going to be transformed. Yep, Brother Mike, Brother Marshall. Oh, I'm sorry, were you asking that if that door's open? No, sir, go ahead this way and come around. You're welcome to open that door, though, if you'd like. 2020.